he's that guy in that thing. His motto is any role, anywhere, anytime. The first show of the year. We're back. Breaking into next. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Breaking into. No, I like this song. I was playing several songs of yours, and I like this one. All right, cool. It's just like, it's just feel good, and just like, down home. Those are uh, Tower of Power horn players. I just saw a whole thing about Lenny Williams, yep. the lead singer of Tower of Power. Yeah. I saw the other day. Hi, welcome to Breaking Into. I was going to start talking to him now. Hi, welcome to Breaking Into here on Black Hollywood Live. I am your host, James Lott Jr. Welcome to 2017. It's my first show back. I'm so excited to be back here and I have a great guest we're going to talk to today. Get everything kicked off. Thanks for resting with me and now we're going to have a good conversation. The song we're listening to is called Worship You. Okay. And it's by my artist and his wife. It's really good. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, this guy is a fellow Taco John's fan. Oh, yeah. Potato Olay's. Hello. There you go. The bomb. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. I didn't know you knew that. No, I'm going to tell you about my Potato oh, Olay story. Oh, okay. And my, how I got a Taco John's t-shirt. I'll tell you about that in a second, too. Oh, man. Okay. Um, he has been in so He's been in so much. Trust me. He's been in so much. But recently, he co-starred in the Golden Globe-nominated 20th Century Woman, uh, opposite uh, Net Bending, Elle Fanny, and Greta Gerwig. He's also going to be seeing us upcoming shows coming on, like right. Hawaii Five-0. Mm-hmm. And Training Day, which is a new adaptive series on TV. We're going to spotlight him and all things he does, because I mean, there's so much to talk about. We're just going to start right away. Mr. Kirk Boville. How you doing? Welcome. All right, it's good to be here. I'm very happy to have you on my show. All right. Thank you. Um, the song was Worship You, with between uh-huh. you and your wife, Joni. Uh-huh. So, you do music. Yep, we actually uh, started off uh, on the music side. Uh, we started an indie label in uh, 99, wow. Elmo Records, which is named after... Joni's father, who was a sharecropper in Mississippi, Elmo wow. Green. Wow. So uh, that song you were hearing, uh, that song, um, we did that, those horn players, the guys from Tower of Power, wow. Mick Gillette and Norb Satchel. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's like, just, I mean, Tower of Power, I mean, you guys don't know who they are. Their catalog is just amazing. A lot of great songs. Like, so I was just telling him, I saw a whole thing with Lenny Williams, who's one of the lead singers of Tower of Power. Yeah. And just thought they had a lot of hits from yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Now, okay, Taco John's. Okay, I gotta tell you. So <laughs> I go to Des Moines, Iowa. Wow. Of all places. And a place called Clive, which is a little outside of Des Moines. Okay. It's like this West Des Moines. Trust me, why was I there? A whole other lifetime ago. Um, and we were looking for something to eat, me and my colleague, because I was there for work. And I was like, God, I was like, Taco John's. Okay, it sounds like, okay, something interesting. Might go in, and I'm like, oh, it's like a, it's like a Mexican type place or whatever, <laughs> but you know, fast food. And it's like these potato olays, like what's yeah. that? And it's like and I had them for the first time. I thought I met heaven. <laughs> I thought it's so hilarious because you know you got to really be from the Midwest to know what Taco yes. John's is, and uh, and it's 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 a Midwest combo, right? Meat yes. potatoes, so yes. yes, not Mexican, but <laughs> but I'm yes. like you, like uh, when I go back, am I hit Nebraska? It'll be like. Three soft shells and order potato oh, lays. This sounds good. <laughs> sounds good right now. I know it, man. It makes you want to get a plane and go back to Lincoln. Exactly. Well, it's, it's funny because I've been to Nebraska. I used to work in ag insurance. Trust me, it was a little oh, okay. lifetime ago, farming ag insurance. Yeah. Uh, so we did the Midwest a lot for different okay, conferences. Yeah, yeah. So, and you're right, there's no Taco John's anywhere outside <laughs> of the Midwest. Right. Oh, like I, was, I, went, I think I went somewhere going, oh, this ta- it was Taco Bueno. It's something different. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Taco this, Taco Time. Yeah. It's something different. It's not Taco <laughs> John's. And so, okay, so I want a T-shirt. So every year I go back to the Midwest, and they don't really sell them. Right. So I asked one of the workers. I, I told the worker, I said, I want a T-shirt. And he goes, well, we have them for the workers. I go, I will give you some money. Oh, man. If you give me a T-shirt. 
<laughs> and so he's like, well, I'm, let me ask my boss and blah, blah, blah. And actually, I gave him some money and he got me, I got me a nice orange Taco John's t-shirt. That is a classic. You're a hero of mine now. Yeah, I like, yeah, I got it. I love it. <laughs> it's like... Yes, I love it. Wow. My, most, of my, most of my traveling is deals with food most of the time anyway. Oh, very good. Wherever I go, I go, anywhere in the country, I can tell you where to eat. Exactly. It's kind of, I don't know if that's a good thing. But, I don't know. But speaking of going around town and going around the country, mm-hmm. you're an actor. Right. And I mentioned that you're like that guy in that thing. You've done a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're talk about a few things specifically, but we're going to okay. do a little speed round. Okay. So what you're going to do is, when I say this thing... Mm-hmm. You tell me the first thing that comes to mind. All right, cool. Could be a pretty purple piece, purple, you know. Whatever. Okay. Let's get it. All right. Southland. Fun. Um, Southland was amazing because that was improvised scene, the whole back end of it. So when you come to the, 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 you come to the cop car and, and then you get into the front of the cop yep. car, that's all improvised? The whole back end of that was. And the wild thing was all the traffic is really live. They only blocked off on one direction. And if you go back and watch that clip, okay, and the way they had the camera set up, it was set up in a way it was like almost like um, guerrilla shooting. The cameras are at an angle where, if you look close, those are actual tourists. You'll see them freezing up on that other side, and they're pulling their cameras up because from the angle that they would see, it looks like I'm this lunatic running down the street. Oh. And when they slam me on the car, yeah, it looks it looks like I'm getting arrested by cops. And then uh, we went. The whole scene was actually get thrown into the car and driving off. But look at it close again. That was all live traffic except for one direction. Wow. And then the whole back end of that was totally improvised. So all the stuff that I was saying and yeah, all the nut job up, yeah. started singing. None oh, of that was in the script. so funny. And it was cool because then they ended up using that clip to promote the show for like the next two weeks. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. just love Southland. So I loved it. So much fun. Oh, back, what a talented cast, first, mm. of all, first of all. But that whole, I remember that whole scene. It's like that's kind of, so you did improve. That's, that's and those guys, like Cudlitz and yeah. Lucy on that. All the stuff they're doing too. It was oh, that yeah, fast. Yeah. Like, whatever I was making up, they were reacting to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that so, was amazing. Well, that's a great first thing out. Okay, American Crime. American Crime is super gritty. Um, so I'll be in that first episode of the season three. Okay, yeah. and um, I mean that guy can write his butt off, and uh, that is a really good cast too. Yeah, and, uh, cast. and that. Another bad guy role, but um, <laughs> that, the season three is going to be really good. Oh, good. Really okay. good. Well, those seasons were good, too. I mean, I was like, they both were good. Yeah, so, it's gonna be... yeah this is going to be, it's, I think it's going to be timely, too. Exciting. Okay. Kevin Hart's Guide to Black History. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I tell you what, that was one of the, um, and this country needs that right now. Um, yes. That is going to be so good. That's for the History Channel. Yeah. And it's Kevin talking to his daughter, and he's walking her through uh, moments of black history that never get taught. Yeah. And I'm in the opening bit of the of the deal and just playing a moronic Confederate century <laughs> and on uh, the Robert Small story. Okay. And uh, that's going to be really funny. Okay. Oh, but he's actually there's I mean it's it's real stuff they're there's talking some meat about. In there. There's, some meat, in there's there. some real good meat in there. But the way he's presenting it is Kevin Hart style, right? Yeah, so and talk with his daughter. But it's going to be real stuff. And I, I think that's. It's going to be really good, and it's really timely. I mean, it'd be it'd be great if it was coming out during Black History Month. Yeah, that'd be really good. But well, it's, it's, a, good. it's a quick month. That's <laughs> another uh, story. Yeah, another story. Um, White Lightning. White Lightning was my first film. Yes. Uh, flew over to Europe, so that was kind of cool for me. When I have you been have you been to Europe at all before then? Oh yeah, tons of okay. times with okay. work and just um, on vacation, you know. Uh, but that was the first thing I ever booked when I stepped away from high tech marketing so 
Uh, the thing about that, uh, Carrie Fisher was in that cast too, oh, okay, and then that premiered at Sundance in '09. Yeah, Carrie Fisher. So yeah, yeah. Um, what were your feelings when you heard she died when she passed? Where was I? What were your feelings when you heard? You know, she I was passed? sad because I was always a Star Wars fan. You know, yeah. I was you know, when I grew up. You know, I remember those movies when they first came out. Me too. You know, and then uh, so it's one of those iconic franchises. Those first three. And then so, you know, yeah. it, it makes you feel like it's a piece of you and somebody like that. that she's, well, two things. It's a piece of you, but it also makes you feel older, too. Yes. You know, where you go, okay. damn. Yes. You know. It does. Um, I, told, yeah. I, I tell my, my kids, I said, I've seen every Star Wars in the theater. Wow. I've seen but, every single one in the theater. Yeah, but I, the thing that's interesting about that, too, was the bond, mother and daughter bond, too. Oh, my God, yes. Her mom else. passed, like, the yeah. next day, and you could just say she, she was ready to go when her daughter yeah. was gone. She was heartbroken. I yeah. I believe that. Uh, Texas Killing Fields. Texas Killing Fields, that was, like, a different shoot. You know, we shot down in New Orleans. But the thing is, I got to work with Chloe Moretz, and I loved her from Kick-Ass. You know, yeah, and, oh, I know. Oh, my gosh, she's so good at Oh, that. she's so good. And, and the interesting, to me, the interesting thing about that was... Um, and this is this is a good lesson for people in Hollywood. It, some movies hit big, mm-hmm. and some movies don't hit big. And that movie had tons of stars. Jessica Chastain was yeah. in there. Chloe was in there. J.D. Morgan was in there. Yeah. Sam Worthington was in there. Yeah, yeah. And that movie did next to nothing in the box office. I'm going to ask you a question. So we'll stop for a second with that. Let's ask you a question about that. Mm-hmm. If you're in a project where you know there's all these names in there, yeah. and we, we see that as consumers, we go, oh, it's like there's like 20 people. That yeah. really good. And we find it's not a hit. Yeah. As an actor yourself, you're, you're going into this film, because you never know what's happening in a film right. until it's edited and put out. But you think, well, it's all these actors. Everybody's in here. It's good. Right. Right. It should be a hit. What do you feel usually afterwards when it doesn't really hit? You know, it's, it's just kind of it's a weird feeling, because some, some things, you know, you look at the material and you go, man, this is good. Yeah. And, that one I thought was going to be driven by the star power. I mean, Worthington was just coming off Avatar. Yes, right. And, right. I mean, there was, like, some on-set stuff, problems there. But it, the lesson there is, like, sometimes, you know, you could get a movie with a bunch of unknowns like Napoleon Dynamite oh, yeah. and make it for half a million and go make $50 million on true. it. Yeah. And then you got a movie like that with all these big stars that just... It's almost like a straight-to-video kind of deal. I was watching uh, my Big Fat Greek Wedding the other day, mm-hmm. the first one, and that was one of those that just was yeah. surprised. Like, yeah. again, I mean, Neil Vardellis was a nobody who wrote right. this movie, and, and John Corbett probably was the biggest star in that film because yeah. Sex and the City or whatever mm-hmm. and, and Northern Exposure. But there was like, again, it was a huge hit. Yeah. You, you can't put... That's, this, so this business is so unpredictable, right? right? Tell people out there, it's very unpredictable, yeah. right? You, yeah. just, you just don't know. Right. And, and to me, the thing that's wild, too, is um, you don't know... And then it's always interesting with some of the stuff that does get greenlit. Yeah. Because sometimes you'll go, man, why did that get made? And you feel yeah. like, is that the best thing that those executives, <laughs> that was the top of their pile? <laughs> or was that just like, well, we're in a three-picture deal with somebody, we got to yeah. knock one out, or right. do we need a write-off? But um, I do like the fact that there's people putting out some really good stuff on the indie side, too, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, What's some good stuff coming out just on everything? Uh, this, I mean, you go, yeah, there's yeah. shows on PlayStation. I mean, it's I like know. there's original programming everywhere. I know. To me, the, to me, this I think we're living in the golden age of television right now, or content development. Mm-hmm. It's mind blowing. Like I you agree. said, I don't know how many shows that are out there. I remember hearing about it. I, it's just, it's just a ton of shows out there. But you think about, and then you think about things like History Channel. Three or four years ago, you and I have said, okay, that's just you know documentaries and stuff like that. And you got shows like Vikings, which it's is six. like Sons of Anarchy with swords, and yes. like six. So they're, they're doing original content that is just amazing. Amazing. Yeah. The level of it is amazing. You're like, yeah. 
Even PBS is like bringing stuff yeah. around and say bring it to people. So it's just uh, yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just amazing stuff. Um, get on up. To me, I tell you what the thing about the the story about get on up for me was um, it was hard to shoot that uh, for me, you know, because you know I'll play like a lot of bad guys and and I'll play a lot of racist bad guys yeah. and and you know my wife's African American yes. and half my that means half my family's black yeah exactly and so I'm playing the role. Because Hollywood will look at me, mm-hmm. is that I look like I'd be like the redneck guy, so that's what I get yeah, played on. Yeah, that's yeah. not who I am. But to shoot that, the the thing was difficult. I'm in like the flashback when he's like a a little kid, yeah. and I'm the one that scene that they write about the one when the boxing ring and they're painting the boys yeah. and their hand uh, putting a blindfold on him and tying a hand behind their back and that stuff really happened. Yeah. And uh, so to shoot that, the thing that was so tough is that we're like in Natchez, Mississippi, and we're shooting that thing. And when they're doing like a turnaround shot to get the coverage, and what a turnaround shot is, if you're not familiar with, would be, let's say they were filming me in the ring, and now they're mm-hmm. going to turn the cameras around and film from my point of view looking out at, at the audience. Mm-hmm. So there was a big, like a plantation house basically there where they're shooting. And so I went in there, and that's where a lot of the, the extras were going in there and other people were doing the, the turnaround. And it was cold, and... Uh, one of the people in there that actually works there goes, oh, no, this isn't the, the plantation house. This is a party house from the plantation owners who lived in Louisiana. They had their party house here. Would you like a tour? And I'm going, hell no, I don't want a tour. <laughs> like, and the, the, here's the thing that was so wild about it was, yeah. um, and I walked in there with Jill Scott. Oh, wow. And we both walked in, and it's like I walked right out because what I want to do is I went and stayed with all the boys and their families. There was like a spot where those, all those guys were in the, in the ring, and and so I was over there. That's where I was more comfortable. The thing was, the wildest thing was, when you went on the turnaround into that house, the people that were extras had self-segregated themselves. Where all the whites were like the fluent people. They were all in the front. One of those uh, musicians, the jazz players, there was a piano in there. He's jamming. They're all watching him. All the blacks that were playing like the help, they were literally in the back by the kitchen. There was tables set up. And there's a few white people back there. But it was almost like the people who were That's from amazing. Mississippi, oh the mentality was, and I go, you could have filmed the movie in there, and it would have looked just like how it would have been oh at that time. So, so for me, my focus was with those, those boys. And um, later on, I helped actually get a couple of them get agents out here in L.A., oh working God. with their mom. Because, they were, they were, I mean, they're great kids, and, and uh, it was, that was different. Because, I mean, I even got like a threatening text when I left. <gasps> really? Yeah. So yeah. I have so much I have to say right now. Okay, so and I love it. I love it. That's why I knew we had to do the speed right. You just never will come out. Yeah, of it. yeah. Okay, so basically, like segregation was still happening. Well, <laughs> on, in on the in between takes on the set, so to speak. Like yeah. you said, the people were just kind of. It must be a weird human thing that kind of did just naturally happen that way. It was, you know, and it was sad, you know. Um, you know, they were like, and I'm not kidding you. You would have had all the people playing the help in the yeah. back. And there's some, a few white people back yeah. there. But for the most part, they were there listening to the guy that would be like the jazz player, the jazz, jazz musicians. Yeah. And it just, you know, it's, it, it just, the, the whole thing for me that, that I struggle with down there is there is an industry down there. Natchez is where there's a lot of the historical, like some of the plantations yeah. are still around. And my wife and I, like, when we're back there, now we have taken some of our nephews for educational purposes, okay. we'll go over there and say this. We want them to, to know what that that history was, what that yeah. past was, and what it really meant. Yeah. 
But yes. there's like an industry there. There are people rent those places for wedding and for um, family oh, reunions, class reunions. <laughs> and I cannot imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine any American. I don't care what color you yeah. are. I just what that really represents because that would be like if you and I went to Germany and rent yeah. and rented out Auschwitz to have like a family reunion. Totally agree. Um, yeah. I when I went to my first plantation. I went for I went to Torrance because I wanted to, to go to one because I'd never been to one before. And for me, I was emotional the whole time, just trying yeah. to get through it all. Yeah. I couldn't imagine going to a wedding at a plantation. I just or okay. a birthday party. I, I just mean, I, I, it would blow me away. It would just yeah. I could not imagine that would be. I just. And that's that's um. There's still you know there's still like, this gap yeah. in this country and uh, my father's yeah. in Louisiana so I I I know parts of the South yeah yeah and so it's just kind of it's, I know it's, and there's an industry now a lot of the plantations are now part of an industry yeah but they are part of our history like it's American history period just it's, you know because I to me I, it makes sense to have some for the historical perspective yeah, right. and then and be able to tell the real stories what they represent yeah represented and then. Uh, but that just happens to be like that area where you know you're going from Natchez down to Baton Rouge, oh, and it's yeah. like stop and see like you know Andrew Jackson's deal, and here's one yeah. there, and and um, yeah, and you know that's tough. I mean, because in Germany there's you know they still have a couple of the concentration camps yeah. to keep for for, but they're like museums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, to me, it's um, just as catastrophic or more catastrophic what happened to the blacks in America. Well, even continuing, but up until that point, versus what was going on with the Jews in Germany. One reason why I have you on my show because they were like, "Why are you having this white person on your show?" Well, I have white <laughs> folks on my show all the time, um, but I have white folks on my show that I feel are conscious, mm-hmm. and I get that you're right. a conscious right. white man, and I feel like, especially today, right, in today's society, we need more conscious white people speaking out, right, to help the cause in general. That's reasons why I have you on here. Because now, go ahead. Actually, can you go ahead and show the second picture? Because we're going to go ahead and just okay. picture of you. This is my favorite picture of you and your wife. My favorite I love picture. That shot. And it's on his phone, you guys. Yeah, it's, my, it's on my phone. It's on his phone. It's my favorite. It's wife Joni. I love this picture, you yeah, guys. Yeah. It just because I've done research on you guys and just your your love just comes right. through. Just comes right. through. And one of the questions I do want to ask is mm-hmm. because she is African American, black, right, whatever, right, whatever right. terminology you want to use. Are there roles that you don't take? Is there, any, or I mean, is there something? Is there a limit for you? Thinking, you know, I just, you know, or do you discuss it with her first? And well, we, we talk about we talk about stuff all the time. Um, as an actor, you know, the thing is, I will play those those racist guys, and it's hard. But I know I, I can I can play them well, and so there's there's a challenge there. But the thing is, we always know. Who the real me is, and um, and it's, so I'm trying to think if there's anything on those lines. No, I tell you what, though, when I when I did uh, White Lightning, mm-hmm. when I got the script, and in that I'm this full on redneck bad guy, and I and I kill I kill a guy by jumping out of a truck and tacking him, and then dragging him behind the truck, which is oh. at the time. Remember the guy was yes. killed down oh, in Texas. Yes, I remember that. And I saw one of the lines. I jump out. I go, Hey, boy, you look like you're out of your place. And I thought, Joyce, said, God, I hope that's not a black dude I'm doing that. Because I, that I didn't want to do. I was going, okay. oh, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Tony goes, thank God it's a white guy I'm doing that <laughs> But because, yeah. you know, what you mean. Yeah. But for, for us, the whole thing has always been, um, you know, from a creative side, like the stuff that I write is always mm-hmm. creating opportunities for people of color. Because there's not as many opportunities for people of color as there are for right. people who look like me. And, yeah. and so I've, we've always been hyper-conscious of that. 
And then for me, the thing is, as going back all the way to undergraduate in college, you know, I coached women's track at Nebraska, oh, and I coached oh, okay. women's track at LSU. We won national titles at both places. Most of the women I worked with were all African American. Yeah. So in my early twenties, I was exposed coming from Nebraska, which is predominantly white, yeah, except yeah. by Lincoln, Omaha, and. Yeah. But my, my folks raised me to know that there's more than one color in the crayon box. And I'm eternally grateful for that. So, but I knew these, these stories, these, these women I worked with, it meant just these rich stories, yeah. just, just amazing stories from all over the country. So I knew, you know, that some people have a perception of what maybe black is or, or mm-hmm. what it is. And knowing it's just super complicated like everybody else and the fabric is amazing. And, and so... That has always been my, my mindset, you know. So I wanted to help if I could create opportunities for people. You do that. In, in that. Because to me, I know. I know African Americans that are doctors, that are lawyers, yeah, that are teachers, yeah. that are preachers, that are everything like anybody else. Mm-hmm. So I know they're not just limited to this one socioeconomic group. Yeah. But I also know there's a lot more pressure on the African Americans. Yeah. I know, and, and male African Americans by far. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you what know. do you think? Because I, I say this guy, family in the Midwest, and I'm, I'm, I'm multiracial. I, I have I've white ancestors and relatives. Yeah. But I noticed that in the Midwest, there are more progressive, open white folks. Well, you know, the thing that's interesting about Nebraska is, um, especially like in the, in the college towns like Lincoln mm-hmm. and Omaha, the good thing about Nebraska really is, as a kid, you grow up. Nebraska football is like the top thing. Yeah. It might be ahead of God, you know. That's like <laughs> yes. so that. But everybody grows up. My grandma just turned ninety-eight two days ago, and she's a hardcore Husker fan. Oh my God, I love it! But so the thing is this: all these kids that grow up, their heroes are Nebraska football players. I mean, from the yeah, minute they're born. So that means for them, they'll see these black athletes at oh, Nebraska. Yeah. So they grow up, and Tommy Armstrong's their hero. If they're from this generation. Mm-hmm. So the thing that's good is. The African-Americans that they see happen to be the athletes at Nebraska who they're excited about. So they don't see, they don't get images of of stereotypical gangbangers or something. So that's the thing that's kind of cool because then those kids will have, you know, uniforms of those athletes. To me, that's the one thing that's kind of cool about it because they grow up and some of their heroes, those African-American athletes. So I think that's what's good. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I like that. Mm-hmm. I could. I could talk to you forever. These <laughs> crackers. Okay. Um, you, you did love under new manager the Mickey Howard story. Yeah, you know that was with uh, director writer was Christine Swanson, yeah. who I I love to death, um, and her husband's the executive at Fox, Michael Swanson. Yeah. I mean, great great people and. And her story, her story's a little controversial here. Yeah, and there it sure and stuff. is. Yes. Yeah, and then uh, but yeah. I got to work with Tiona on yes. that, and then. Um, well, the funny thing is, and Christine, I love her, and I'll work with her on some other stuff, is, you know, she was, as a director, she, I got there, and she goes, got any questions or anything like that? What are your thoughts? And the scene I was doing is when I'm basically ripping off, as a record producer, ripping off Mickey Howard. And I said, you know, you got me, and I'm looking at her album cover, and I'm not paying her for it and all that. And then the next scene, the original script was, it was like cutting to her doing like coke in the bathroom with Shaka Khan. <laughs> yes. And I said, well, why don't we do it with... B, talking about like looking at her album cover, but I'm really cutting coke on my desk. Oh, Have funny. me do lines of coke, and then you cut to her doing lines of coke. So it's like I'm going, hey, I'm really busy. I got to do this because I'm making up those lines. I'm, I do that. I said, I go, I got this other line to pick up. 
And then I'm hanging up the phone, but I'm really doing like, she goes, oh, you, would you do that? I said, oh, that'd be fun to do. Oh, my God. And then, uh, um, but I, I tell you what, Christine Swanson is amazing. Uh, she's out here in L.A. Yeah. I mean, I love her to death. And, uh, but that was fun because yeah. we shot in Savannah. Oh, Savannah's a great town. Yeah, yeah. Great town. Yeah, yeah. I had a niece who went to school there. Mm-hmm. That was a great town. You did, did some Days Are Alive's. That's my show. I do those after shows here after yeah, us. Yeah. They're like, so many days are alive. So what'd you do on there? Uh, a couple of them. I was like a, a grave digger <laughs> on one. And it's kind of like the same, it's the same dude, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and the thing that's interesting about uh, shooting on like a, a soap is, you know, you go on there and there's like 5,000 cameras everywhere, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. They're, they're all over. Yeah. And and the director is in like a video village calling, yes, the, calling shots. So yes. you rehearse the scene. Yeah. And then he disappears. And and then you know you kind of shoot it and you're done so they're fast, fast they're because fast. they're shooting a movie a day. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're so wired. It was amazing. You'd be sitting in the green room, they're going, uh, "Scene fifty two is coming up. Bring up Kirk Bolville. Have him at the you know by the, the." And it's like clockwork. You know, you'd walk in there, they'd shoot it, two takes, and then they'd be wheeling those cameras down to that next part, mm-hmm. and there'd be like some lead guy over there doing push ups, getting pumped up for his scene without the shirt on. <laughs> For real, that was, no, that's I know, I know, I know, I know, no, all the, it was. I know all the soap people, so mm-hmm. I do. I know that's true. But I always tell people all the time. I said soap work is hard work. It's fast. It is quick. I mean, other mediums are slower. Yeah. This is like this is no joke. No, they're, they're shooting a movie a day. Really, yeah, that's, that's like amazing. an hour. If you know, it's like quite a bit of, you know, and uh, they get a lot of flack. It's so funny. It's so funny that they get a lot of flack out of all of the hierarchy of like stuff. Yeah. And they work really hard. They do. I mean, especially the crew. I'm sure the crew works really yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, Okay, so this is supposed to be a rite of passage because you've done Criminal Minds. Yep. Isn't everybody, of course, done Criminal Minds? Well, you know what? Here's the thing about Criminal Minds, and I'm forever grateful. This is really how I got my start. Okay. On Well, two people. Um, Tracy Kilpatrick was the one that took a chance on me for White Lightning. Okay. Tracy's a, a casting director based out of the Southeast, Southeast Market. Okay. Criminal Minds, I had uh, done a Leslie Kahn Actors Workshop, and then I did like a, they had like some casting directors workshop. And this is just when I was transitioning from high tech. Okay. So nobody knew me. And one of them was with Scott David. And Scott David at the time was the casting director for Criminal Minds. And I was reading for a part that they gave me sides. It's supposed to be like a 22-year-old East Coast guy. And he goes, okay. he stopped me. He goes, you know, you're really good, but you, you wouldn't, I'm not going to give you adjustments because the guy's supposed to be 22. It's not. <laughs> he goes, but that doesn't mean I didn't like you. Okay. The next week he called me to producers for Criminal Minds. And then he called me to producers like six times that season. Wow. And then when I booked it, it was like a it was a straight offer. He called it because you want to do this one part. Wow. And then he booked me in uh, Leverage, okay. and he booked me in Paramount Circle of Eight. Wow. So I'm always, always going to be grateful to Scott David because he was the guy that... Yeah. And then that way, I became the new older guy. <laughs> that's who I was. Hey, that's okay sometimes. Just yeah. rolls for everybody. <laughs> right. You know, so... Um, but isn't that yeah. a good lesson, though, that you may not be right for a, the part you might be going for right. or seeing... But if they remember you and like you, right. exactly. And the thing is, too, uh, there's a actor buddy of ours, uh, Alex Morris, and he gave me the best advice ever. He says, "You got to stay in line, and your turn will come." And and you know, some mm, people get like frustrated because Joni always reminded me, "I'm going, man, I didn't get it." But they go, they keep bringing you back because they're trying to find the role yes, for you. Right? I mean, it's like it was like, and you know, some people might get frustrated, but um, man, I didn't, and. Uh, and that was the thing that was cool because you gotta stay in that line because I see so many people. It's amazing. You see people just throw up their hands because it's a hard business. Oh, that's, that's very hard. hard business. Yes. And they throw up their hands and walk away. And I've seen people. I know people that were like, come to our house to do laundry, 
They'd come to our house to do laundry. And all of a sudden, they were on Broadway like three weeks later. Yeah. And, and we know so many people, you know, that were like doing temp jobs, survival jobs. And then they were like series regulars like the next year. So you never mm-hmm. know. I mean, um, I like they got to stay in line. It's very true. It's just this, this is a very just, I mean, it's up and down business. It's just ebbs and flows. And yeah. Sometimes it's a crapshoot sometimes. Just it depends on if you stay in it long enough, I guess, well, anything can happen. Because the thing is, for me, like, breaking into it as late as I did, mm-hmm. that means everybody I'm really auditioned against are all established guys. Yeah. Because if they're still doing it, oh, right. that means they've been doing it, or they, would, they wouldn't still be hanging out if they've never done anything. So right. when I first walked in there, I'd come back to Joan, and I said, well, that's the guy from that show and this show and that show. She goes, yeah, yeah but they're bringing you in, too. Because I was the new older guy. Well, it's all, it's, it's, it is all mindset, isn't it? It really yeah. is about how you flip the script on your brain yeah. and go, okay, I can look at it A, but I should look at it B. I should look at right. it this way. Because right. it is both. Like I always said, people always tell me, well, you know, what if I don't make it? I'm like, what if you do make it? Well, because the thing is, and I've always said this, it's exactly what you're saying there. I said, why not me? Yeah, why not? Because the thing is, is like when we did the record albums, I said, why not us? You know, and we did those. Was, you know, I was older. We did that first one. CCM Magazine calls one of the top five indie artists the last decade. And, you know, some people would sit on their hands, and we just bet on ourselves because I really felt like. And I was raised by folks that said, go out there and do just focus on it. I said, so why not me? Because I think a lot of people, they will hold back. There might be something they're really good at, and they never True. do it because they, you know, so they settle, and for a lot of their lives, they're just kind of like, they're going through life, but part of it is like going dang, and... So that was the main reason I, I did the switch because I always felt like I could always go back Same to here. marketing, but I felt like, man, I just didn't want to look back and go, what could have been. You know? But isn't it bad? Because I'm, I'm a later in life person too. Isn't it better yeah. that we kind of did this now? Now you're like, now you're ready, so to speak. Yeah, because now it's like for me, it's like you got these life experiences that you could throw into a role, as yes. opposed to being the dude that's 20 years old that just rolled in here that just knows about you know. You know whatever hair products are. You know, <laughs> sure. What did I know at twenty? I remember, yeah. I remember that was a long time ago. I think I don't think I knew that much. I think I thought I knew a lot, but, exactly. I, don't think I, know, yeah. but I didn't know exactly. that much. Right. Um, that's the great thing about aging. Right. Um, Bosch. I tell you what, because you were recurring on that, weren't you? I was. Yeah. The thing about Bosch, and it's another hard role. <laughs> in in one week's time. Yes. In Bosch, I'm in the pilot, and it's like the dream sequence. It's hard to tell. It's me. But when it flashes back to when Bosch was a, a when he's a foster uh, child, mm-hmm. I'm like the uber violent foster parent, yeah. and I'm chasing him as a kid down a hallway with a baseball bat, yeah. and I hit him with a baseball bat. Yeah. So it was just soul crushing to me to do that. And I got on a plane, flew down to New Orleans, went to Natchez to shoot that that get on up scene in one week, <laughs> oh and I went, God. oh man, I told Joni, and you know, because. Um, my wife and I, you know, in the past, you know, and we have a passion for these foster kids. It's, it's just not, in a lot of ways, the statistics, it's just awful existence yeah. for a lot of those kids by no choice of their own. Yeah. So to be like, yeah. playing that, you know, and the, the, the really cool thing that came out of that was um, Eric Overmeyer's the showrunner and one of the uh, executive producers. He was one of the books off of Michael Conley's Bosch series. Yeah. He had emailed me when they were cutting the pilot. He goes, I really like what you're doing. And I thought, yeah, that was nice. So he just did that. Yeah. That's cool. So in that same season, um, a role, Joni got a called in to read for Bosch for a recurring role. And she happened to be working on that day on how to get away with murder. And, and her agent was going to be quick to go, ah, you know, I'll just tell him you can't do it. And I said, wait, you know, I've got Eric Overmeyer's email address. Let me email him. And I said, hey, Joni would love to come in, but she's working with Viola Davis on this. 
can we put it on tape? And also I got an email back from him says, yeah, have her put it on tape. Just send it to so-and-so the next day. So Joni comes home, I think it was like 1230 or 1 in the morning. Oh and God. I said, honey, I hate to do this to you. <laughs> but at 7 in the morning, we got to tape this audition and get it to this person in the morning. I said, and here's your sides. Oh, my God. Joni taped that. And Joni booked that. And Joni's been recurring all three seasons. She just finished up season three. And that probably starts airing like in February. Yeah, it just, starts, it just came back. Is a season three out now? I think, it just, I think it just came back. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but yeah. that was kind of cool because what it did, I got on the show, and it led to yeah. Joni recurring on the show so all the seasons. Oh my god, I love it. And I that is what to us that's Team Bovel, right? That's right. That's I'm, us. I'm, I'm on your team. That's a win. I'm, I'm all about that's you guys. Win, you know? I'm all about you guys. Yeah, yeah. The last one I want to just kind of mention is, and you can show this picture. Um, you did Murder 101. Was that like one of your first things you did also? It, Dick Van Dyke. It truly was. Um, and there's a picture of you guys. Yeah. I mean, you just got to tell me Dick Van Dyke. Hello. I tell you, the thing The thing about Dick Van Dyke is he's one of those guys that's led like the, the, the dream if you're an actor. I mean, his whole life has been an iconic series. Yes. And iconic movies. Yes. And it's weird. because he and Singer, he's just, actor, and he's just, dancer. And he's thrilled and he's thrilled with life. So between yes. takes, he'd be like doing soft shoe to himself, not to entertain people, not to show off. He it. was just, and it, that to me was the amazing thing because, you know, some people hit success and they turn into like a horse's ass. Yeah. And I don't know why, but he's like the guy that really gets it where it's like. He's happy to be here. I mean, just thrill And to be at that age when yeah. there's not, and, and still just, to me, it was, it was, um. to have, you know, be with a guy like that. And that, that was. Energy. And I got Taft Hartley on that. That's how I got my, um, uh. Union card. Very good. And uh, Kevin, is it Kevin, Johnny? Kevin Clark? What's Kyle Clark? I got to give a shout out. He's the, okay. he's the producer that uh, put me in that bad boy. I like that. That's very good. Yeah, yeah. Now, you did 20th Century with Women, which, of course, was a highly touted movie mm-hmm. with these great actresses. And um, I, I knew Annette Benning through San Francisco. Okay. She used to be an actress in San Francisco. Wow. She's a Bay Area person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great actress and everything. So my first question, kind of, because it is Oscar season. I'm gonna be right. I'm gonna be shady for a second. Um, what do you feel about the Oscar snubs? It's like no one really. I mean, it's such a. I mean, everybody thought Annette especially thought that she was. Gonna yeah, I, and I did too. Um, and Golden Globes were one thing, but the Oscars. Yeah, I was, I was, I was really surprised. And, and well, the thing is, I think the challenge was was A24, who's a distributor, also had Moonlight. Oh yeah, and so I think they put most of their efforts and focus on Moonlight, which is a great movie. Yes, we like and that. then so when it came time to like, you know how they have to do the screenings and they have to do the promotions, they have yes. to do uh, those kind of things. I think most of their focus is on Moonlight, and Moonlight has justifiably oh, yeah. like Marshalla and the whole crew oh, is God. amazing, yes, and agreed. and um, so there's a lot of you could tell the reasons, but I really thought. When it first premiered, remember, everybody thought, well, she's going to be a slam dunk to get in there. Now, I was surprised that she wasn't. Yeah. But at least Mike Mills got nominated for yeah. the writing, and Mike is a great, yeah. great guy. He's a great writer. Tell us about director. the script. How, 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 when, you got, when you got this came across your, your desk, or yeah. however, you know, yeah. desk yeah. or however it comes yeah. across, how did you feel about it? I thought it was amazing. Um, the thing is, was uh, you know, I, I have a role where i, I got to work a number of days. It's not like a, a huge role, but to be in a, a movie that, that mm-hmm. you, you felt like, holy crap, this yeah. is going to be good. And have a guy who had done, you know, the beginners. Yes. And then, um, and then you saw all these people that are in it. And so his script was like super detailed. If you saw it, it was amazing. He'd have split columns when he's doing VOs. It would have the specific shots. And when oh, we got wow. the script, you also got like musical references. There's musical references that would be tied wow. in. So because and the other thing for me was it's set in '79. Yes. 
This was my senior year of high school. So oh, for me, funny. it was a flashback. So when I was doing like the, the fitting of wardrobe, it looked like my senior picture again. I was like in earth shoes and like, you know, I was going, holy crap. This is a flashback. Oh, I love it. But um, what I like that, that Mike does, his sensibility, I mean, some of my writing style is similar. And it kind of reminds me a little bit like a Moonlight. He's really good with identifying those, those female roles and, and, then, and, the, and the emotions that drive and and I like writing from that perspective too. To me, it's like like this is us, you know, where it, it grabs you viscerally, and and that, and that's what I thought that movie was, where it's like that woman, where there's that age that anybody's been a parent when their kid's a teen and they're like in the in the dark world, and trying to yes. stay that connection, and they're trying to be yes. independent. Yes. And then she, how she struggles, it tries to get people, recruit people to help her, mm-hmm. and then. Um, and how that story unfolds, I thought I really liked it a lot. Yeah, those everything you just mentioned are all kind of the different Moonlight and Twenty Something Woman and This Is Us. They're all based in like real life ness, right? You feel when you watch it. Like when I was watching parts of Moonlight, parts of other things, I felt like I was intruding. Kind of like I'm watching, yeah. I'm watching. Yeah. I'm like yeah. I'm, I'm there too. Like it's kind of weird. Like I'm in the, I'm in the frame with them, kind right, of right. And it felt really close. Yeah, like I, I can relate to it. And, yeah, so I think some of the things you worked on, they are very much like that. You feel like you're there. Like you just, you can well, yeah, and, and some of them, the, the, the hard moments of being there, like in Get On Up, man, I was there in that ring, and, it, you know, it's like to play like a guy that bad. Um, or like in Bosch, you know, it's like, because sometimes it, it, it does emotionally. How do you shake it off? How do you shake it off? It's emotionally draining, so it is. So for me, like in, um, man, it was hard shooting Bosch. And then. You know, so did you, go, do you hug babies? Like, did you well, I tell you what, you find, like, well, kind of like, I, talk, like... I call in Joni, you know, or get prayed up. And then it's like, <laughs> but when I did like um, Get On Up, like I told you, I spent all the time yeah. with those those boys, boys and their parents. They had like a tent set up for them. Like it was heated because it was freezing. We were shooting at night. Oh, my God. It was freezing and shooting at night. That's where I was at. And, now, and for me, I was important for me to make sure like, you know, Helping those guys, right? Yeah. Or helping the parents because I, I didn't want them to think, you know, like, oh, that guy's really that guy. Yeah, the right, no right. You know, so. God, it's, yeah. like, it's like, I'd say, I mean, because I, I know it's acting. We all know it's acting. But I mean, you are a human being. And so you're conjuring up what you need to use to play a role. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure sometimes it must be just kind of tough sometimes. Oh, not it as is. easy as others. There's one I did. It never got, never got made. A guy was doing like a, like a teaser kind of thing to get financed, but it was one where. Oh uh, man, I, I kick in the door and I'm like drunk, just violent dude. And I shoot like the wife on the floor and the, and the oh, boy's man. hiding under the bed. Like, I don't know, he's there. I thought he's. And, oh my God. But every take, I'd be picking her up and hugging her. The guy'd go, uh, Why are you hugging her? I'm going to go, So everybody knows that we don't hate each other. Right, you know? exactly. It's like, Holy, you know, because it's like you hit and they go flying and it's like, yeah. and that little, because those little kids on the set too, going, Why yeah. you keep hugging her? I'm going, Well, because, you know, it's a hardcore scene. It's like, yeah, it's cut. Now it's yeah. Yes. Now also a belated happy birthday. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and you know birthdays are interesting. So what do birthdays mean to you these days? You know, I guess to me as I get older, it's kind of just like a another year. Yeah. Um, I think I was probably like excited when I was sixteen because you get your driver's license. Yeah. And then Nebraska at the time, when I was 19, at that time, that's when the drinking age was, was your college. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't <laughs> then it got oh, changed okay. to 21. So oh, wow. For, you know, so you could go, yeah, I go to a bar, I'm in college. And then, um, yes. But after that, it's sort of like, you know, they, they kind of came and go. I mean, for me, like, 30s, hit 30 when I hurt 40. Joni had my 40th birthday at a Chuck E. Cheese. 
Oh, how funny. Yeah, so, oh, my God. You play skee ball and everything. Yeah, it was okay, funny because it was like <laughs> all the kids from other tables came over and they brought out the cake because it's just this oh, cake on fire, nice. right? 40 candles. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's how we kind of do it, yeah. I love that. I love that idea, actually. That's exactly. so funny. Why not? <laughs> well, you know, I, I know for me, as I get older, I'm you know, my birthday's in May, so it's kind of on. I'm, I, I kind of feel, I feel younger sometimes. Yeah. I feel like, I mean... The birthdays aren't the same as they were, like you said, those milestone markers. Right. It's kind of like, yeah, it's another a chance to have some fun, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, yeah. you know, yep. be with some friends or family exactly. kind of thing. Um, now, one of the things that I always do on this show, I ask, the, I ask people on my show the same two questions. Mm-hmm. I don't prep them, as you guys know at home. If you watch the show before, mm-hmm. I do not prep them. So you guys have no idea what I'm going to ask him. But whatever first comes to your mind. Okay. So the first question I like to ask, because I believe in language. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling you too, that language can define, you know, how we think, how we right. act, how we right. move in life. Right. What is a word you think we should just no longer say anymore in our vocabulary? Well, I'm not going to say it, but it be the N-word. Okay. Um, it should just be killed off. I agree. Across cultures. And I, and I get it, you know. Um, but I would... If that word just got wiped off the planet, you know, for ev- for everybody. Yes, I agree. I agree. I totally agree. And then you know, and if it's used as a term of endearment from somebody, just find something else, maybe. And I agree. With but that. for me, because you know, and I'm like the guy that has to audition saying there's something like if it's like Twelve I'm Years sure. a Slave or oh Django God, or something, sure. you know. Yeah, I'm sure. So, because um, to me, it doesn't represent anything. Good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, now, what word do you think we should say more of, or if we're not saying it at all, bring it back to our vocabularies these days? Probably inclusion. Ooh, that's a good word. Okay. Um, you know, especially right now in the, in this country, there's a lot of division in the country, and and it's not necessarily along racial lines. It might be more along like political lines like a subset of whites that are Republicans than everybody else. Mm. But I think inclusion, and I, and I think m- maybe on a faith side you don't agree with some things, but at the, at the end of the day, um, if you are a faith, it's all about love. And, 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 you know, Jesus rolled with the worst of the worst. Most of the people he rolled with, most <laughs> hardcore church folks wouldn't let him in their church. Right, right, exactly. You know, right. And the point he was making is he was reaching out to everybody, and um, so, I, you know, with inclusion, because then I think then you get that bridging of the gaps mm-hmm. of cultures, because I think there's a lot of people because maybe they don't know anybody that doesn't look like them. Mm-hmm. There's assumptions. So I think if you have that inclusion and you make your world bigger by inclusion that you realize mm-hmm. folks are folks. Yeah. I mean, and everybody has this real the same feelings and stuff like that. And I think. Th- when you get to that point, I mean, then I think then the thing that evolves from that is, is true love. Yeah. I like that. You know. I like that a lot, actually. Um, you have some upcoming projects coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if we could talk about any of these, but like there's Flock of Four, I guess, the crickets and some stuff coming up. Yeah, there's uh, was a bunch. Um, tonight, you'll catch me on uh, Hawaii Five-0. Tonight, you guys, at CBS. Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. And then yes. um, on TV, then American Crime comes up, I think, yeah. uh, in March. Yes. It's the first episode of season three. Uh, training day probably in April. The series I think it just started yesterday. Just started, mm-hmm. And then the Kevin Hart's Guide to Black History, yeah. which is going to be so good on History Channel. Yeah. On the movies, uh, Crooked Somebody with uh, Ed Harris, Amy Madigan, Joanne Froggett oh from Downton Abbey, Rich Summer from Mad Men, and then Clifton Collins Jr. That's he's, gonna gonna, be, he's a great actor. Oh, that's going to be a really good movie. Really good movie. Okay, and then that's one. 
that was really truly one of my favorite roles because it's, you're going to see something that I've never done in a film. Oh, okay. It's just, yeah. So it's not a bad guy, and it's a guy that's just emotionally broken, losing like a son. So that was draining to shoot that. And then, um, but that cast was like, oh man. Yeah. And then, uh, then I'm going to do Flock of Four, which is a '60s era film. Gregory Caruso is the director of that. And the funny thing about that is most of those um, actors are guys from like the Nickelodeon generation. So oh. I roll on the set. It's like a guy beyond the, from the TV show Kicking It or somebody from yeah. Everglades or somebody from Gossip Girl. Yeah. So I didn't really know those guys who are like 19, oh, 20, 22, 23. Yeah. Um, so it's around them. Uh, that'll be pretty good. Um, there's like uh, Tell Me I Love You. It's like an indie. And then Broken Memories is going to be at the Sedonia Film Festival. The thing about Broken Memories, uh, Rance Howard plays the lead in that, and he's a guy suffering from Alzheimer's. And Rance Howard is Ron Howard's dad. Oh. So the three generations of Howard, there's Rance, then there's Ron, and then there's Bryce Howard. Bryce is beautiful. She's just so good. And and so that was, it was amazing because, you know, you get somebody like that. And and the stories he's telling, you know, uh, that was amazing. I mean, he wrote some of the episodes for the Flintstones back in the 60s. And (laughs) and, uh, so that. And I did two films with them back to back on Alzheimer's, and um, and we've and I've been to some of the, the walks for Alzheimer's. That's that's difficult. I have an aunt that's doing I that. I get where they went through it. Yes. Yeah. Very, and yeah. then Rance's wife just recently passed. Oh, okay. So we're going to go to memorial service for that. But um, yeah. so that one will be coming out too. You are the definition of a working actor. Trying to be. What does that feel like? I mean, you know, it feels good because uh, it's super hard to do. Yes. Not a lot of people do it. But the thing is, when my wife and I really stepped out, we stepped out on faith. You know, we were corporate America guys making good money. And, but I always felt like the expectation was that it was going to happen. That was the expectation. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, well, maybe, but it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so it does feel good, you know, and we don't take anything for granted. And, and I truly feel you've got to be grateful for what you get and keep moving rather than, like, going, oh, man, why didn't I get, you know. So, um Forever grateful for that. I mean, because how many people break into Hollywood when I didn't in, like, my mid-40s? Yeah. I understand. I was 45 when I started this yeah. business. I, I find, for me, just being in the at the table makes me happy nowadays. Yeah. When I get called in for something, I'm just, like, happy to be I was happy. I really am happy to be here. Yeah. But I'm in your orbit. Yeah. You learn as you get older to be, be kind of grateful for stuff like this. It's like, okay, this is good. Okay, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Okay, it's, this is and nice. It's, and it's just mind-blowing some of the circles we're in. And that's what mm-hmm. the mind-blowing thing is. So we'll talk about it sometimes going, man, did you think 10 years ago we were going to be doing this? Right. And at the same time, too, I felt at that point I was a marketing director for a company down here, a publicly traded company, and it's like, but it's like watching paint dry towards the end. God, I understand that. And, you know, Very I was nice. a dude that's traveled around the world for a long time, and it's right. just, just like watching paint dry. And right. So I, I think of some of the circles of some of the, you know, the things, like, you know, we were like it. Viola Davis is her, when she got her star, Walk of Fame. You mm-hmm. know, they invited us to that, you know, and we've known Viola and Julius for a long time. Oh, okay. and, and we're so happy for those guys. You know, they got their production company, Juvie mm-hmm. Productions, and they're, and they're doing really well. Julius is running that thing. And, but it was amazing because you look back and you're going, man, these are people we know. Right. And we're thrilled for those guys because, you know, Viola, if you would, maybe seven or eight years ago, even though she was already established from the Tony mm-hmm. Awards, there's a lot of people in Hollywood didn't know who she was. There's no, a lot didn't. of people in black Hollywood that really weren't, they'd be always, oh, I'm from Dow. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, everything, and, and it's amazing to see her have that voice mm-hmm. behind that talent, too. I agree. And, and, and so I'm, I'm really happy for those guys, but it's kind of, it's wild 
to be in those circles. Yeah. You know, it's I agree. sometimes you're looking, it's like, those are people oh, you just know. I understand. Yeah. I do. Now, I also to all the time, you guys are epitome of this, too. If you have an iPhone, if you got, uh, you can record something on uh, whatever, you can do your own stuff. Yeah. If there's no such thing as perfection, just put it out there. Yeah, yeah. Get a couple friends and, you know, throw a little movie together, a TV show or a web series or music. Or you can, you can do anything nowadays. Yeah. yeah. See, nowadays. Right. It was harder for us a little further back. Right. But now there's no excuse. YouTube is free. There's free advertising right. out there. And you're in your opinion, just like, just put it together yeah. and do it. Yeah. And, I, and the thing is, sometimes that's where we'll kick ourselves in the butt, too. Because there is no excuse. There's none. And none. so I'll see some people making a movie. You think, God, that is awful. But you know what? They got it made. Yes, they did. They got it made. And that might set them up for something else. And, and so that's on us. So Joey and I talk about that all the time. Going, There's no excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. Okay, so I have, I have a few things I put out back in the day that weren't the greatest either. <laughs> but, I, but the thing is, I learned something every time. And the major lesson I learned was how to go from concept to completion. Right. That is the greatest lesson yeah. I think anybody can learn when you're a creative person. Is you from concept to completion, you're like, okay, I did it. Okay. Yeah. Now I do it differently now. And now I yeah, know yeah. what to improve upon or change. You know, you learn about yourself. Yeah. And I tell you what, and that is what you said is the exact thing. There's a lot of people talk about doing stuff, yes. and there's a lot less people that actually do it. And I have tremendous respect. Even if somebody makes something crappy, I don't yes. care if they made it. I agree. Rather than somebody's like, yeah, you've been talking about it for 20 years. Right. Or 10 you so. All right, Kurt. I am a fan of yours. Okay. I'm like, I'm completely. I'm going to follow you in everything. Cool. You're you're so such a cool guy. Cool. I could talk to you for like the rest of the day. All right, appreciate. But they won't let me do that. <laughs> We're just staying. That's it. Exactly. I'm back. I'm just gonna stay. No. Yeah. Let's go. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Now tell people in that camera over okay. there where they can find your social media. You can find me. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Kirk Bowville. You can find me on Twitter as at Kirk Bowville. You can find me on Instagram as Wahoo Slim, W A H O O. It's a shout out to my grandma, and grandpa who lived in Wahoo, Nebraska. I like that. I'm Wahoo Slim on Instagram. Yeah, and then <laughs> my website's KirkBolville.com. Very good. Of course, you can follow us on breaking into our pages on Facebook. So go ahead and there and like it and follow it. And this interview will be on there also. We're also on YouTube and iTunes under Black Hollywood Live. Look for Breaking Into. There's also Black Hollywood Live on Facebook and all over the place, too. You can follow me at James Lott Jr. on all social media platforms. This is, like I said, a great guest. The first one, 2017. Right, cool. We have more coming up. And I thank you so much for watching. I'll see you next time. All right. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagramming, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Good ways and bad ways of The views expressed here are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.